This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi, I'm Polly Campbell, and this is Simply Said. Welcome to the show. This is Polly on the podcast where we talk about how to live well, do good, and be happy. Today, we're going to cover all those. I hope we cover those every day, right? Because these are choices and awarenesses we can make, the simple little things we can do throughout our day to, to feel better and to really become aware of these moments of our lives. And I am looking on my desk at this little, it's called an inspiration bot. Have you ever seen one of these? Mine has a square head on top and a big centipede smile and three eyes and a pink shirt with an exclamation point on it. And I love it. I got this from a friend when I was writing my first book a a zillion years ago. You can still find that book. It's called Imperfect Spirituality. And I was dealing with some self-doubt. She gave me this inspiration bot, which is this little robot painted on the back of a domino, painted by artist Gary Hirsch. And I have been waiting since then, six years, to talk to this guy. And he is here today. And I am so excited. We're going to talk about his creativity as an artist, his work as an artist, his work with On Your Feet, all sorts of things about how we can bring that creative mindset into our life. And I'll tell you a little secret. I think you're already doing it. You may not see it like that. Gary, welcome to the show. Hey, Polly. Thank you. I hope my, uh, my phone didn't interrupt your intro because it went off while you were talking. Well, we, we have to be spontaneous, right? Yes, I improvise. know. It's an imperfect world. And, uh, <laughs> let's embrace it. So, okay. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, I am looking at your bot and on the side it says 31,656. Is that the number of bot I have then? It must be. Yeah, but I'm kind of way beyond that now. I'm kind of at bot number. Let's see. Last night I was making them. I'm about 58,400 wow. and something. I can't remember. Wow. Yes. I, I keep writing it down after I make them. So I that's, are you, do you get burned out? Are you tired of 58,000 bots? You know, that's, it's a, a lot of people ask me that question. Um, so, you know, each one is hand painted. So these are on the back of a domino and these are a small, it's a small, unique drawing of a robot. And, you know, all of them are different, but the way that I paint is really my meditation slash therapy because that's where I can let my mind go. I usually listen to books on tape or podcasts like yours. Um, and I don't have to, I don't think while I paint. And so truthfully, it's much more than just painting a robot. It's kind of my own well-being and my own self-care. So with that in mind, the answer is no, I don't get sick of it because yeah. you don't really get sick of doing those things. Tell, I'm sure you've told this, this story a zillion times, but I, I'm still fascinated by it. How did this idea to paint a cartoony, fun, cool robot on the back of a domino come from? And 58,000 later, right? Yeah. How well, did it start? Yeah, sure. So I, it's, it's funny. They're, they have a lot more meaning than just being a little robot to me. And so um, I guess without that, they wouldn't really have continued. But the way that they started was kind of something uh, was important to me. So 
Um, I split my life as a visual artist, as a street artist. I do a lot of mural work. I do a lot of work, work out in public. Uh, and then the other part of my life is I run a creativity consultancy called On Your Feet, which we started about 20 years ago, uh, examining how improvisers behave on stage, the improv artists and theater improv um, theater storytellers, and using that within the business context. So that just gives you a little bit of context for this story because at On Your Feet, as you can imagine, we, we established a lot of different clients over the years and we wanted to give them something wonderful at the end of every year, so the end of year gift. And um, I was trying to figure out what to do and, and about 15 years ago, um, as, as a visual artist, I created sort of a little, kind of a, a prompt notebook. It was a notebook that was mostly blank pages, but we called it the co-creativity notebook. And in this notebook, every now and then you'd come across a prompt to help you co-create with the world around you, which is a big theme in my life, this idea of co-creation and collaboration. And so for example, uh, one of those prompts said, you know, go to a restaurant and order something off the menu that um, you have no idea what it is or ask the waiter to do the same, ah. you know, co-create your meal. Um, and the other prompt that was in there, one of many, there's about 30, was this one. And it said, imagine that you walked around your day being followed by a giant invisible robot that gave you outrageous compliments <laughs> all the time. And that's all it said. It had a little yeah, and it had this drawing of this giant robot following this guy around and, and the robot the robot dialogue bubble says, nice pants. So it's just it's like just giving him a sort of random outrageous compliment. So I sent this notebook out to about 500 clients and friends of the organization, the company. And I kind of thought nothing of it. You know, um, people enjoy getting it, they use it. But I kept getting all these emails back from that single prompt, like things like, you can't believe what my robot told me today. And I thought, well, this is weird. People are doing this. Like, you don't really think people are going to, but they are. And so things like, my robot just told me I was really smart in that last meeting. Or I had, um, we sent this to uh, somebody who gave it to their family, to their kids. And uh, one of these, uh, a 12 year old wrote, my robot told me I was really nice to my sister today, which is hard for me to do. And like, so I was like, oh my God, this works. Like people are imagining this robot. And then the next year, this is where the dominoes came about. I thought, let's make the robot real instead of being invisible. And I went through this large, ar this long, arduous process of figuring out what the right medium was. And at one point, um, I was with my friend in her apartment in New York, and her sons were playing dominoes next to us. And we, we were, our, it was going, what could we do this on? And literally, Stanley threw a domino at us, and it hit me in the chest, and it was like, aha, do it on the back <laughs> of a domino. So. Uh -huh. Long story short, uh, we created joy bots for people at that point, and we gave them to uh, about 500 folks. And then it, that was the end because everybody wanted more. And then I started making joy bots and brave bots that I gave to kids in children's hospitals. And I left inspiration bots on the street for people to find for instant inspiration. And I started to explore this whole idea of making art that is supportive and recognizes people and celebrates people and also letting go of it. Like, what's it like to leave mm. it? And what's it like to invite others to make their own bots? And, and so now we're about, well, I guess, 12 years in and it's kind of created its own flywheel. Like it's a bit of a movement. I, I, even though I've made so many, I don't really have to anymore. There's so many mm -hmm. hundreds of other people making them in the world that it's kind of like they're doing their job. Well, and, and I see that. I, I mean, you talk about that. You say steal this idea. And I've been places where they give a little hunk of wood that you can draw your own on, you know, and you've really encouraged 
people to take this on and, and make their own or make a gift for others or so you like that idea then oh my gosh yeah that that was the liberate that was really liberating and i think you talk about creativity and creative acts and oftentimes people think about sort of the making of something as the creative act and i make a lot of things like that is part of my life I, again robots and murals and illustrations but honestly if i have to think about it besides having kids then one of the most creative acts i've ever done had nothing to do with making something. It had to do with not making something. Hmm. So what happened was with these robots, um, they got they got very they they became part of this network within the children's hospital community. And there's a whole um, community of folks called child life specialists, and their job is to help kids get oriented to the hospital, so it's not such a scary thing. And somebody, one of the child life specialists that got a hold of one of the the brave bots presented it at a conference, a national conference, and suddenly I was getting requests like, could you please donate 4,000 Brave Bots to a <laughs> hospital tomorrow? And what I realized was the answer was no, because I can't. Like I literally am one human being and I can't do it. And then I thought, this is terrible. I am the bottleneck for something that is important. Like these things work. Kids get to hold their Brave Bots when they go into the hospital and I hear stories of how they help. Because the Brave Bots whisper things to help them feel a little bit braver. Of course, they don't actually do that, but they do do that. It's mm -hmm. about how that works. So long story short, I, I thought this is nuts. So I put up a video on my website called Steal This Idea. It walks people exactly through how to make a bot. And uh, that, was, that was it because letting go of the idea, and I meant it, I meant steal this idea. And some people literally did. So for example, there was an artist in the UK who took all of my imagery and who took all of my packaging and just replicated it and started to sell my bots, which could freak the hell out of people, right? Like that's my intellectual property and those are my copyrights and that's right. my art. And, and I, when I first saw it, I really, my, my heart sank and I thought, oh, well, you invited this, didn't you? And then I scrolled down one moment on his website and it said, this idea and imagery was stolen by permission from Gary Hirsch who encourages this and that. And I thought, okay, fine. Thank you. A little bit of recognition is kind of all I needed here. And you're putting more bots out in the world, which is really the goal. Anyways, so that's, that's it. So the letting go aspect, which is so connected to a lot of things I do, I, I think was the most creative thing I've, I've ever done. Well, and I think the letting go is really essential to the creative process. And I think it's essential to living. And I think we have challenges often on both those sides. Because when you're saying, yeah, this guy stole my whole idea and he put, I'm a writer, you know, if you take my, my writing, that's what, that's what I have. That, that's what I put out in the world. And so it stressed me out for you. But, but at the same time, when you release a book, when you, take your kid to college or send them to school when you cook a meal, right? It, it's that release that is the gift. That, that's the completion of your part of the creative process, I think. I think you're right. And I think that's a really important lesson because I have seen and been with colleagues and collaborators who are bent out of shape. They're stuck actually in the um, ownership of an idea. And, and they're very much worried about and spend a lot of energy about keeping hold tightly of their ideas and making sure. Now, again, I, I, it's a fine line. I don't want to say just plagiarize the hell out of people. Sure. Credit, credit them. I absolutely do believe in credit and uh, attribution. But at the same time, 
for me personally at least and this comes from actually a whole nother world this comes from the world of improvisation so i've been i've been an improv actor and and I've performed improvisation for many many years and that's a similar thing because you can imagine okay if you've seen improv people get up on stage and they get a suggestion and then they create instant theater well imagine if you and i poly are up on stage and and uh we go let's get a suggestion and and someone says you're a a, a principal and a teacher for example and uh, okay, cool. So in your mind, Polly, you're like, I'm gonna be the principal. And then in my mind, I'm gonna be like, I'm gonna be the principal. <laughs> and so mm -hmm. suddenly we get up on stage and we're both the principal. Well, what's gonna happen there? How do you, does someone let go of that? Are we holding on because we decided it was our thing? Or does somebody shift and say something like, um, all right, so Polly, um, this was really great being the principal for the day, but I'm ready to be back to be a student now. So can I, can I go back to my, my, my classroom? Um, you know, the idea of letting go of things that you have already pre-planned is, is in your face when you're improvising. You have to let go. To I, I love that. And I think, um, and I want to get into that a little bit. I want to dig into that for a minute because this year for many people has been about letting go, right? Things are happening that we've never done before. Yeah. And we're needing to be agile and adaptive. And you look around and you see people that are like, in the same circumstances as I am or whoever, and they're thriving and they're coming out with these crazy, silly things. And that doesn't mean they're not having down days, but you see other people that are stuck in the down day. I, I think living is really a creative process. You do it as, a, as an improviser, as a artist. I do it as a writer, but I also do it as a parent. You said that was one of the most creative experiences you've had. I do it as a person who manages a house and has to figure out how to pay the bills and when to juggle and how to do that. I think this shows up all over the place. Do you, what's your thought about that? Oh my gosh, you're so right. And, and uh, that's kind of why I decided to take, to do what I do. Um, the, on your feet as, a, as an organization had some pretty distinctive choices. You know, people use improv as uh, just to teach other people to do improv, right? So to keep it within the theater. My goal was, I looked at what improvisers do on stage, the way they behave, the way they, they use people's ideas, the way they show up in a way that's available to be changed, the way that they let go. I looked at those improv behaviors and I thought to myself, these are amazing on stage, but they'd be more amazing off stage. Huh. How, how can you take a creative endeavor, but apply it to everyday life? And that's how On Your Feet was born, because the everyday life was people who have to work with other people. Like uh -huh. when you go into, and again, we don't, we're not quote unquote going into the office anymore, but we are. When you hop on Zoom, you are in the office and you are in collaboration and community with other people. How does that work? And how does it work now when you have such limited access to micro expressions and other uh, ways that we communicate? So... I am super fascinated in taking and really literally transferring sort of things that you think of as traditionally creative within a creative endeavor, but applying them into cooking, into parenting. It's very funny. Um, at, when I first started this work, we had two small kids and my, my wife would, this was a joke, but it kind of was real. She's like, um, great. So you teach all this stuff when you're off, when you're off at work, but come on, like you say you teach listening, but I've already been asked you like three times to do something. So it's hard for somebody who knows this shit to be able to apply it to, to their lives. I go through um, the same thing. My husband's like, you actually wrote the book. Now can right, you do this? Right, stuff? right you know? exactly. That's similar for me. So, <laughs> but to your point, I think that um, in particular, 
I think life is improvised. I think to me, it's such an easy connection to look at how someone wakes up in the morning and how they decide to approach the day. So for example, in improv, we have a practice that, that's called being fit and well. So being fit and well means you're gonna be confident and competent in the face of uncertainty. It's a choice you can make. And when you do improv, you are in uncertainty all the time. You don't know what you're about to do and there's an audience watching you. You can do that for your life. Like I can wake up and I can go, I've got a choice. I can be fit and well and decide, I don't know what's going to happen, but something's going to be a value from it. I can embrace that in some way. Or I can go, I have no idea what's going to happen, and it might be terrible, and I should be scared of it. I do believe in some ways that is a choice. So there's this idea of being fit and well, or being sort of attitudinally sort of more sick and feeble, which is just about your attitude. And it's not, it's a weird, it's a weird thing because some people think, oh, you're just being Pollyanna. You're just kind of putting a silver lining on everything. Look how terrible everything is. Well, no doubt, there's a lot of shit going on right now. And at the same time, where are the places where the offers are blooming? What is the offer of the fact that I have to be home all the time now and I can't travel? What it, well, one of the offers is I got a puppy, like everybody else on the planet, right? because I'm home. Like, like, how can you accept the offer and be fitting well about it of what your current state is? That's right out of the world of improv. I love that. I, all, I often say, stop complaining about the life you have and start creating about the life you want. And I say it to remind me, right? Because I get stuck in that same stuff too. But I agree with you. I think it is a choice. Okay, so it doesn't matter whether I like the circumstance or not. <laughs> this is what we're doing. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, here's an example of that. If you don't mind, like, no, so please. This is, this is pre-COVID, uh, but so I'll be mentioning things that will sound long ago, like being on an airplane, <laughs> like three being on an airplane with other people. <laughs> so, for example, there was one point where um, I was uh, I was working in Europe, and there was this very high stakes meeting, and I went to this meeting with my colleague, and it went really, it was terrible. It was a terrible meeting, and we got back on the airplane afterwards, and we were like, God, that was awful. We didn't, we weren't prepared for it, and we didn't understand what they wanted, and we, uh, they were they we couldn't match their needs at all and so we just sat there in silence feeling like shit for a while and then my colleague turned to me and he goes all right so what's the offer here and that's language that comes out of the world of improv and improvisation improvisers consider everything to be an offer no matter what happens so if i trip over my shoelace coming up on stage the only question is what can we do with it Uh was that good or bad you just go, what's the offer here? Oh, I get to play someone who trips on shoelaces now, or I get to play, I can be drunk, or my shoelaces are alive, or whatever it is. So we're sitting there on this airplane, and he's like, what's the offer here? And I, it took a while, because things felt really crappy. But then I said, well, the offer here is to actually learn more about the people we're going to talk to next time. The offer is um, to get more curious, because we didn't, and mm-hmm. that was the price we paid. So now I think about this today. Here I am, we're in God month number gazillion, at home, life changes, everything else. I try to wake up every day and ask, what's the offer here? Mm-hmm. And when I look at the news, it gets harder. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I turn that off most days. <laughs> and so uh, that's, that's, the, that's the idea. That's the goal. Well, and I like that you say it, it can be hard. I mean, you, oh, you're, yeah. you practice this and you teach others this, but there are times we have to really settle into ourselves and say, all right, let's bring it back. Let's turn off the news and settle in. What's the offer here? What can we do right now with right now? Right? Right. right. Yeah. I love that. 
It, it doesn't, I, like, I talk about the things I need to learn and, and that I'm practicing here. And sometimes in my best days, I'm really good at it. And other days, it's just like a total disaster mess. And that's part of it. That's, no, that's part totally of the experience. True. I mean, just maybe one other thing on this, the, the, the language from improv, again, continues to be so helpful to me. So the opposite of taking something and doing something with it, that we call that accepting the offer. It's like you accept what's there and you do something with it. The opposite of that in improv is called blocking when you block the offer. So, you know, a classic example of that is what happened here in Portland, this is where I'm based, um, last week. So let, we got hit by just horrific, horrendous, tragic wildfires close by to our community. And it didn't hit us directly, but the smoke was absolutely horrendous and the air quality here was terrible. So, um, and I have a new puppy. So I decided one day to block the offer, not accept the fact that I should be staying inside. And I was like, I'm going crazy. I got to get out and went outside, um, uh, played with my puppy for 10 minutes. Uh, she was fine. Um, I, I could feel my, my chest tightening and um, my eyes watering and I, and I was wearing masks and everything else, but even so. And I got back inside after 10 minutes and I was like, you are a complete idiot. You needed to accept <laughs> the offer of staying the hell inside till the air quality gets better, but I blocked it. And so when you block an offer, you, um, you can feel it it's got emotional consequence to it, that it physical consequence to it. Yeah, but, yeah. I, th I think you can, you know, I, I've blocked offers at work where I took jobs that I knew I wasn't in alignment with or they weren't in alignment with me and I forced my way through and it didn't work. It cost us both. I've blocked offers with my daughter. She's a teenager when she was showing up a certain way and I just would like to pretend she was going to do it my way, <laughs> you know. That doesn't work. You feel it in your body. It goes to your relationships. It goes to your productivity. In my case, it, just all of it. So I love that notion. I want I want to bring that to the simply said. This is a segment where we talk about how to start thinking about this stuff and using it in our life today. And and being fit and well. What did you What did you say, Gary? Being fit and well, competent yeah. and confident. I want to start the day like that. Could you talk us through that? Sure. Sure. Happy to. So. Um, there is this idea that anything that shows up, you can have a choice around it. And what improvisers do is they decide they're going to be fit and well, attitudinally, in the face of uncertainty. It is a choice you make, you get trained in it. It's why improvisers go through practice and rehearsal in classes. And what fit and well means, and this comes from, by the way, comes from um, Keith Johnstone, who is one of the seminal figures of improvisation, sort of a, the grandfather of it. Um, and Keith wrote an amazing book called Impro and Impro for Storytellers, which I highly recommend. But fit and well is this idea that I am going to make the choice to be confident and competent in the face of uncertainty. And one of the mantras for that, that, that we sort of made up at On Your Feet was, I have no idea what's gonna happen, but it's gonna be great. Oh, and that, love it. That, that idea has its counterpart, which is the idea of being attitudinally sick and feeble which is, I have no idea what's going to happen, but it's probably going to suck. And you got a choice. And so that's, that's the idea there. I love that. Let's do that. Simply said, I have no idea what it's going to, what's going to happen, but it's going to be great, right? We can start the day like that. Come on, you guys. Yeah. And you know, and, and that might sound slightly Pollyanna-ish, so you can adapt it for yourself. It's like, I know it's going to happen, but I'm going to learn something. I have no mm -hmm. idea what's going to happen, but it'll probably be different than I expected. Um, uh, I, I had someone tell me once, it's like, you know, what's going to happen, but if you think you know what's going to happen, you're probably wrong, but something else will happen, which will be equally as interesting. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, you know, that kind of an idea. 
Yeah, you know, and I, I like that too, because even if I think I know what's going to happen, I'm often surprised about how I respond to it um, in a good and bad way, you know, and in a challenging way, but also like, like if you had told me that I was living with a teenager for seven months without a break and I, I'm yeah. in Portland too. So we, we were, you know, literally in. You were here. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And, you know what I mean. and yet so much greatness and goodness has come. I've learned so much about myself and her. And so, yes, I, I, I'm surprised every day about, um, some of the things we've chosen to co-create and, and that's and that sounds like a woo-woo word but really because she showed up too so it's made an, an interesting experience right and Polly just think about that like if like you said I think this is really significant because time is kind of our our big enemy when we start to uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of Eckhart Tolle and mm -hmm. I read a lot I, sort of power of the now is on autoplay for me these mm -hmm. days and um, he's got this great this idea which is like when you are not actually here present, then you are in psychological time, which is you're just thinking about the future or you're trying to think about the past. And if you had told me to think about what seven months would be like with a teenager um, ahead of time, I, I, the despair and anxiety <laughs> that would have put into my body would have yeah. just been overwhelming. But the reality, as you just said, isn't. And it's good to remember that. Stay here. Don't go ahead. Stay right. here. Be in this moment. And we can work with this moment, right? And, and one way to do that, you know, people, what's coming today for the Simply Nifty segment, things that I love, that practices that help me, items I enjoy that make me happy. Go get yourself a bot. Get a bot for someone you love. Pass the bots around. Make your own. You can go to botjoy.com and check out the story behind the bots and Gary's work. But you can also see some of the bots. I know you have an Etsy shop. Is that right? Yep. Yep. You can connect from Botjoy to Etsy if you if you want. Um, and if you're in Portland, there's tons of murals here. You can just get see them for free if you walk around. See them for free. I, it's simply nifty. Botjoy.com. Go get yourself a bot and. Um, they do speak to you. I mean, it's crazy when you said that because mine was, I was nervous before this call and mine's like, dude, you talk to people all the time. It's just a conversation. I'm like, well, thank oh, you. And it sounds similar to me and my voice, but. Yeah, well, they usually do. They usually are your own voice. <laughs> because it's funny, someone contacted me and said like, where's the chip that makes them talk? I'm like, oh, God. it's in your brain. <laughs> yeah, it's you. Hey, we have those voices running all the time. You might as well put one that's going to give you the compliments and remind you you're okay, you know? Right. right. I exactly. like that. Hey, go get a bot. Write me, let me know which ones you've got right? Which one you picked out or sent on to a friend. You can find me on Twitter at PL Campbell, on Facebook, Polly Campbell Author. And there's also a sign-up page there. If you want to be in on the newsletter where I talk about things like this and tips from our guests and other ways to get into this. Gary, how can people find you? Is it botjoy.com, OIF? What do you, where do you want yeah, to Yeah, I'm good at either. It's kind of like, like I say, I split my life, but botjoy.com is, is fine. And you can uh, contact me there for anything, mostly art related, but also Gary at OIF.com. Uh, so OIF.com is, is the On Your Feet website. And that's a whole nother world, but also easily contactable through that. So either one works. So and you OIF. work with companies and leaders all over the world, right? For OYF? Yeah, I mean, you know, literally we would go there. So yeah, so our clients are Nike, uh, Uber, Disney, others like that. And until seven months ago, we were in their offices. Now <laughs> we're all together on this platform. I feel like we've had a fun connection today. Is, is there a quick tip you can leave people with? Because everybody is trying to figure out how to connect on, you know, recording Zoom, teleconferences and so forth. Yeah. You know, here's something that's really 
uh, we, we think a lot about this. And honestly, if you go to OIF.com, you're going to see a ton of resources around this because we're thinking about the idea of distributed work and how people are having to connect now. Um, I'm a big fan of, here's one really simple idea. It's just called a scavenger hunt. And the idea would be before you sit down for your Zoom meeting, everybody just grabs a random object uh, that's in their environment. And I, sometimes you give them prompts like grab an object that you have, but you have no idea why you own it and let them tell the story about it or grab something that's sentimental and let them tell the story about it. Humanize this platform by bringing yourself and stories of yourself into it. And there's tons of different ways to do it, but that's one we've been using. Lately. That's a great, like show and tell. It's show and tell. I love yeah, that. Both, both I love that. Yeah. Well, Gary, this is, I've been waiting a long time to visit with you. Thanks for the bot. Thanks for your work. And it's been so fun to have you. I appreciate you coming on. Oh, my pleasure, Polly. Thank you so much. Remember, bring creativity into your life by knowing that you can deal with the uncertainty of the moment. Be fit and well, competent and confident. And I think that will help us all live well, do good and be happy. Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonize your mind, body, and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together, we explore vibrations, frequencies, and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress, and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today. Introducing the Deep Leadership Podcast. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former submarine officer who spent 22 years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Deep Leadership is real-world, actionable leadership advice from John and his expert guests. Become a leader worth following. Subscribe today. Electric Acid. Electric Acid.